Welcome into this edition of the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I am Zane Hopin, joined by Rob Werner, Fabian Ardaya, Jacob Janauer, and Chris Cartman, as always. And today, Herm Edwards just was just named the 24th head coach in the history of Arizona State football. And and just to start off, guys, you know, you know, Chris, we'll start with you. You know, two weeks ago, we knew for sure there was going to be some renovations going on a Sun Devil Stadium on this date. You know, they're, they're starting the renovations on the east side of the stadium. But what we didn't know is the major, major renovations that were going to be taking place internally with the Arizona State football program. So my sort of expectation was that ASU was progressing toward doing some of these things with their infrastructure and their operations and uh, and whether or not that was going to be underneath Ty Graham or a new head coach, I wasn't really sure on. We have been saying on the podcast uh, really throughout the season that, and, and to our audience uh, in the Devil Sanctuary on Sun Devil Source that 7-5 and five probably wasn't uh, even going to be enough for Ty Graham. And 6-6 six and six definitely wasn't going to be enough. And uh, come to find out, even the 7-5 record with a win over Arizona – and some of the things they were able to sell as far as their progress from the beginning of the season to the end wasn't enough. Ray Anderson decided to pull the plug. Uh, and uh, our reporting last week, as you guys know, included references to uh, what they were trying to do with their uh, their infrastructure and staffing behind the scenes, a reorganization or repurposing of uh, some of their uh, senior athletic department officials, including Gene Boyd, Scotty Graham, uh, moving into more football roles. And all that stuff was rolled out today in a really basic framework kind of a way, in addition to uh, Herm Edwards uh, talking quite excitedly for uh, more than a half an hour about uh, being ASU's first African-American head coach and uh, the 24th uh, coach at the university. And, um, uh, big picture takeaway is, wow, the guy's got a lot of energy and excitement and is very quotable and so in some ways that are like going to be really good and then in other ways that are going to present some challenges and, and potential headaches. And we're already seeing that as his words propagate out there through social media right now. And we'll get more into the specifics of that later in this podcast, I promise. But, but you know, guys, before we really dive into it, broad perspective, what, what were your impressions and initial reactions from what happened today felt like a board meeting like for a business which is i guess fits with what ray anderson said in the press conference where you fire todd graham saying that he wants to run sun of athletics like a business and it the, everything just felt sort of formulaic everything was about staying on message on cue all right this is how we're doing things it's a new model the new model to all just talk about how the old model wasn't working and i think that's just the biggest thing i noticed that they're going head over heels with this, and then they're going to be pretty much. Ray Anderson feels like he's either going to live or die on this hill, so that's probably the biggest thing I've taken from this. And in kind of building on that, I thought something that was that really struck me was that um, coming into the press conference, Michael Crow and Ray Anderson, when they got there, they talked about how they had to explain the why and the how of this hire, and even said that they thought that people would think this was a, a weird hire. As, as we've experienced a lot in the past week of people, fans uh, specifically saying that. Um, I didn't really think they gave those answers. Um, so I'm curious to see what you guys think about that as well as as we dive into this more to see how we think that uh, the quotes and the whole press conference kind of un- unveiled. Just building off what both of you guys said, I feel like a lot of it was really trying to back it up. We heard Ray Anderson say countless times, you know, what this means is this and what this means is that. And then 
they had his agent come and speak even after they had about 30 people defending Herm Edwards and saying how great of a track record he has in the press release, they continue to bring more and more people out that have had previous experience with Edwards to explain why this works, which is very unusual for a head coach. Usually you just want to hire a guy who has a track record that speaks for itself. Yeah, so so now we, we heard from Ray Anderson, we heard from Michael Crow, obviously Herm Edwards, and, you know, Rob, like you mentioned, uh, Phil De Picciato, Picciato. Picciato, uh, Edwards' former agent. Uh, he also kind of gave some some background on Herm and why he thinks he'd be a good fit in this position, and uh, just some of the, some of the major things that were hit on. Uh, a big train metaphor was, was used throughout the whole thing. You know, you know, get on the train. You know, if you want to get on the train later, I think it was Herm that said the seat's not going to be so comfortable. Everyone wrote. Everyone's that welcome. <laughs> but that uh, metaphor was written by everybody in that press conference. Um, you know, talked about building a DNA, establishing a DNA. You know, you know, Fabian, like you mentioned, how they want to make it more like a business, and and this whole new model they're embracing. Um, you know, what were what were some specifics, I guess, within it that stood out to you, Chris? Well, it was it was scant on some of the specifics. Let's be a hundred percent frank with that, and I think that's what they're going to have to try to now figure out. You you. You would, if you're like looking at this objectively, you would you would want them to articulate, okay, here's you know what we want in terms of our our, our player personnel. Here's what we want in terms of our recruiting operation and infrastructure. Here's what we want in terms of our creative. These are the roles that we're, that these people are going to have or that we need to find and identify. Here are the people that are working underneath of those people. This is basically uh, what the the, uh, the the flow chart of the organization is going to is going to look like. That really wasn't there. Uh, and Herm Edwards, in, in talking about this, essentially candidly admitted he doesn't really even know those things yet. Um, you know that that's what he's said he's going to have conversations about to try to identify. And uh, and and then develop a game plan in, in the staff that's already on hand, the people that they are now kind of moving into these new roles. Um, there there was a conversation about the, the 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 chasm between the haves and have-nots in college football. There's an understanding, I think, at ASU with Anderson and Crow about how ASU needs to sort of bridge that gap as best as possible, transitioning into its next era of ASU football. All that makes a lot of sense and is fine, but ultimately it's going to come down to, from a practical standpoint, how you go about doing those things. And and um, a press conference is just, you know, usually going to be a lot of rhetorical techniques and things that aren't necessarily all that meaningful. And uh, for me, the proof is going to be in the pudding on a lot of it. But I guarantee you that a lot of the people that they're going to be putting into these types of roles haven't really done those things in the past or been in other places where it's been done at a really successful level. And that's why I, again, would say um, that it's important that you, that you do lean on the Billy Napiers or you bring it externally people who do understand what those things all, all entail. And and so what what were some of the things that you guys thought ASU as an athletic department as a university did well in the portrayal of this whole press conference, whether it be the message or how it was set up, the execution, any of that? I think it's just a united front, which I think is probably the most important thing in a hire. You have to make sure that like this is your direction, especially when you're taking as big of a leap as it appears Arizona State is taking. Uh, you want to make sure that it at least appears to be a united front. They just try to like build this up, and they really did a decent job building it up, doing it in the brand-new coaches club, doing it with former players in attendance. Manny Wilkins was there. You have 
Michael Crow obviously wasn't there, but he was still teleconferencing, and you had members of the boosters and the athletic department were all there, and it seemed like it was a united front that, all right, this is our direction. Uh, they weren't necessarily specific about where that what that direction was, but at least it was a unified front, and they made it clear this is what the university is getting behind. And I think I think especially with Edwards' part, you know, we were really captivated by the way he spoke. I mean, of course, it's a little bit up for debate exactly the content of what he said, but you could definitely tell that the guy's a great speaker. He's very personable. He can relate to a lot of different people, and I think that's what the athletic department and Ray Anderson especially really sold about him is that he is this great speaker who can motivate guys who's been around the sport of football for many years. So I was really captivated by the way Edwards spoke. And he talked about how that was going to make an impact right away with how he's going to try to recruit, try to make ASU the destination from people from California along the West Coast and trying to turn ASU into what he said he believes the vision is, which is uh, a first-class program, which it can get there. And I'm interested in seeing if this motivational speaking and you know how he sp- spoke today and the actions that he does, how those really affect recruiting and if ASU can get toward that vision he was talking about. You know, ultimately, I think these people do realize that it's going to come down to the proc- procurement of four- and five-star talent. Uh, Ray Anderson has said multiple times now, Todd Graham did a really good job with the establishing culture, the student-athlete uh, uh, academic component, and being good citizens and all these kinds of things. But he just has hammered away at the fact that ASU was mediocre, average, on the on the playing field and and uh, and then Herm Edwards basically echoed that by saying you got to have the players if you don't have the players then it doesn't even really matter um, you know he talked about his defense and how he didn't really see it uh, with ASU uh, having the, the enough talent for to be able to compete at the level that they have now set forth as their as their goal um, the but but uh, even though a guy like Herm Edwards is maybe going to be able to get into some doors. That that weren't accessible to Todd Graham or other coaches previously. It's not like her. It's not like uh, Dennis Erickson wasn't able to access those doors. He won two national championships at ASU in an era. I mean, at ASU, pardon me, at Miami, right? 91, 93. Then he comes to ASU a decade later or whatever, and he came to ASU in his mid 50s. He's you know almost like a decade younger than Herm Edwards. A lot of people said that Dennis Erickson was like this guy from the past, a relic from the past, when he took the job at ASU. He wasn't able to parlay his name and his background really into as many uh, high-profile recruits as is now basically their goal and what they're going to try to accomplish. So the the um, from a practical standpoint, actually being able to have this translate in signing more kids is how it's going to be judged and then being able to develop and execute with those kids. Herm Edwards said, I don't want to be hearing about USC anymore, Stanford, Oregon. Why why aren't the why can't these kids go to ASU? I need to be able to go into we need to be able to go into California and have that message resonate, figure out a way to make that happen. That's true. That's that's exactly on point. That's good as far as like what they were saying of something that they actually need to go about accomplishing. But the, 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 the challenge is not in the saying, it's in the doing. And I go back to the press release that they put out announcing uh, Herm Edwards hire on Sunday night, and it wasn't very well communicated or, or done. I think they got nationally you know, really criticized for the way that it was. 
like talking about inventing some new model guess what the model there's a model that works at a number of other places already maybe you just need to figure out how to do that a little bit better you know incorporate some of those things and ideas um, my, my thing I go back to is if, if, if you aren't able to articulate your, your message and your vision in a press release, in a press conference, better, more polished and solidly than they were able to do in the last day or two as we tape this, then it's much, much harder to be able to then go ahead and execute those things. And that's what uh, where the disconnect to me still exists and where they're going to need to really, really uh, uh, ramp up their ability. And you talk about that disconnect. That's, that's one of the many things that people, at least on Twitter, are taking away as a as a negative from this press conference. But just just as us here at this at this table, what are some maybe poor things that came out of out of this press conference? I think it was just the fact that Edwards didn't really seem to know a lot about what he was getting himself into. I mean, we know he's been around the sport of football, but it's mainly been within the NFL and. As an analyst on ESPN, he really hasn't been around college football, and he didn't really show a ton of knowledge of how this entire college football structure really works. It didn't seem like he knew a ton about the school. Of course, there's one incident where he debatably didn't even know what the ASU mascot was. So it, it seems like he's just he's got little connection to the university right now. And something I thought that kind of could be taken as a negative um, was just – I was seeing a lot on Twitter of people asking why was his agent there? Why was his agent speaking on behalf of him? Um, and we've got some quotes we'll go into later, but it, it, a lot of people were considering it almost a PR uh, welcome uh, uh, from his agent to Herm, which a lot of people thought was a little bit inappropriate maybe for the type of setting or a little confusing on why they did that. It seemed like a lot of the press conference was just defending the hire. And if yeah. you have to defend yeah. the hire at the introduction, that's kind of not a good sign. And just in trying to, especially that Q&A session with Herm, it just seemed rather interesting that just about none of the actual questions were answered. It just turned into Herm being Herm, which, I mean, could be fine. There's coaches that sort of aren't great in the press conference room or are great but don't answer questions, like a Mike Leach, who are successful on the field but when it seems like you want to have this super structured business-like mentality having someone who consistently just rambles doesn't seem like the right person at the head of that sort of operation i don't know whether he knew the mascot or not he didn't say the mascot in the press press conference right and his response to that question was a little bit weird you know, you should know what a sun devil is. Not it has nothing to do with the actual devil, by the way. You know, it's, you know. so. Um, but e- either way, there was just some things there that were just kind of just like kind of jarring almost as you're sitting in the press conference and you're and you're taking in a lot of the things that that's being said. Totally do agree that it was almost like a defense of the higher press conference in a lot of respects. And no doubt that that was largely related to the press conference that they released and the response to that press conference. I mean, the, the press release, which was largely negative, including national people kind of you know, laughing about it or making jokes about it or what have you and and really the rollout which kind of was almost like a full week with the media tour and some of the other stuff um and they they know that even though 
there is a core nucleus of support in their in their upper echelon boosters and former players for this hire. That more broadly, a lot of ASU fans are extremely skeptical. National media very skeptical. It's been given you know you know panned grades by you know the your your, your pundits and the people that, that sort of evaluate these types of things. Um, it 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 could possibly work. There's things about it that maybe if they're able to really drill down on and get some sort of so, um, some sort of connection with and some traction on that that maybe it can it can it can work out. But uh, but Ray Anderson did say that he acknowledged that he knows that this is kind of his reputation and status and how he's perceived that's on the line now, and he says he's fine with it. Of course, he's at the tail end of a career that's already kind of been banked, and he's pretty solid and. So he can he can take that gamble in ways that other people probably couldn't. Yeah. Well, I I thought just the way the whole message was you know put out there, it was like I I don't feel like this should be a Pac-12 school that's that's doing this. It's it's like you know you 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 put yourself in this whole situation, and it's like if this is like a lower group of five school, and they're like we're gonna try this whole well, there's not as much money involved, there's not as much tradition involved. It's like you have a much greater reason to do this if you're not at a school where there's already so much emotional and financial investment into people and it's like okay let's just risk throwing it all away for this new business not even business model leadership model that who knows if it can work at all well look he's he's this is a guinea pig right the asu is now going to be viewed and it, ha- and it is viewed nationally by what people are saying as a guinea pig for this thing that you're now trying what I would say is that the and I wrote this in the column that I, I, I that conveyed a lot of my thoughts about this this hire. The places that are paying middle of the road money for for coaches that are power five schools that have had success, they fine tune their way through their process with the coaches in place for a really long time. It wasn't lightning in a bottle that was struck by a place like an ASU that's in the 30s in revenue and 30s nationally in coaching salary and all those kinds of things. The idea that you're going to have a disruptive change, which is kind of the way they frame this. This is a disruptive change thing that we're doing here. And be able to have that quickly ramp up enough that it's going to work, where you're going to get four and five star talent and organizationally you're going to be able to start firing on all cylinders and have the machine well-oiled and working smoothly and all that. Man, there's a lot of things that have to happen for that to actually work and take off. And there's a really, you know, there's an actual chance that it it doesn't, that it falls kind of flat and that they're trying to figure out this thing on, uh, you know, on the, on the move and that it, it misses in, in some respects. And so, uh, so like I, like I said, it's a Guinea pig. ASU is that it's now a science experiment in the lab and, and all of us cover the, covering the team and then the fans and the boosters, they're all sitting there looking through the glass at what's about, what's going to happen. And just there, everybody's wrapped and it's going to be interesting and entertaining because that's Herm Edwards anyways. And there's a lot of like these plots and things that are going to be kind of like uh, keep our attention. But they, but Ray Anderson set the bar so high for what success actually is ultimately that man, it's going to be tough to accomplish those things. 
plus I think the cloud that's almost hanging over this entire experiment, if you will, is the twelve point three million dollar buyout that they're literally on the ha- on the hook for when they could have either just given Graham another year or find just find a way to maybe fine tune what you were working now to see if it all works, as opposed to throwing it all out, having this entire buyout hanging over you and not being entirely certain exactly or clear about how this could work. I think this is a great point. And, and, and you can flesh this out further by saying, so so Graham is going to be uh, owed uh, 35% of that $12.2 million in the next pay period, which I believe is this week. So he already made pretty substantial changes organizationally last year, which Ray Anderson gave him credit for with the, the addition of Phil Bennett, Billy Napier, kind of what they were doing there. They were in a position to easily say, okay, we're not going to extend you and we're going to use this money that is now going to buy you out to actually put what you want to accomplish with your operational staffing and approach on steroids. They could have said, we're going to spend a couple million dollars and just go crazy with that, right? And 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 use another year as that process to evaluate and experiment and see and learn and whatever. Well, now they're doing it with a whole nother component, which is the, the Herm Edwards. And I guess Ray Anderson and maybe even Michael Crow decided that, that was needed to do, that that was needed to happen uh, in order to be able to implement the types of changes specifically that they wanted to and have it actually... Um, uh, you know, uh, identified and 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 uh, incorporated because maybe they didn't think they could do that with Todd Graham, but uh, there's just so much that's going to go into this and 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 the the financial investment, the time investment, the resources, the human capital, and all these kinds of things, and and having it all come together. I mean, I'm just telling you, uh, in covering recruiting for 16 years. It's a multi-year process of learning, and and Herm Edwards is now going to go through this as a 63-year-old, and and there's just no way that he can know and learn and and, and be able to implement all the things that 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 make all these other organizations around the country at Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, et cetera, et cetera, really function at a great level every single day. Mm, and and you know, like everyone says about Herm Edwards, and like everyone has said so far. Everyone loves to listen to him speak. And so what we thought we would do to finish up here is pull 10 quotes from the entire press conference. doesn't necessarily have to be from Herm, but it could be from Anderson or Crow or his former agent. And uh, just have uh, Rob and Jacob, they pulled them out. They're going to read through them, and we're going to just talk about each one a little bit. So uh, who's starting us off, Jacob? Yeah, we'll start off with uh, number one here. This one is from uh, Phil DePiciato, his agent that spoke. It was, I have no doubt that he will put up, put up a lot of points on the scoreboard of life for everyone in this community. found this quote a little bit perplexing just because of all the cheese that just went into it and on a prepared statement. And again, just part of the narrative that it seemed they were trying so hard to just defend this hire. Well, a lot of cheese, and, and to go along with that, on, a, on like a more serious note looking at this, like, the one thing Graham got a lot of credit for 
is getting his players prepared for whatever's after football, building character, the academics, all that. We've talked about it so many times on this podcast and, and so many others. But it's just like, I'm not saying you can't emphasize it and ignore it as if it's like, oh yeah, we don't care about about the players and, and them as people. We just want to win. But it's like a really cheesy way to go about saying that. But But also at the same time, you know, just kind of redundant in the fact that you already had that in Todd Graham. Anything else to say on that? Are we moving on to number two? Number two was Ray Anderson. This was right off the bat when he started speaking. He kind of clarified um, some stuff about about the pro- the program and where he thinks it's headed. And the quote is, quote, I want you to know that ASU football is nobody's rebuild. This is not a startup. This is not a start over. We need to take the next step in competitive consistency, and I believe Herman Edwards can take us there. So this kind of goes off, off what we're talking about of just that, um, you know, Graham Graham did a whole lot of great things that Anderson mentioned in the classroom uh, in, in, in making uh, the players great citizens and, and really improving the character. Uh, but he did say that the competitive consistency wasn't there. And he said uh, at, at one point uh, in, the same, in the same remarks that it was mediocre at best. So, um, sorry. So that, that – that there's a contradictory component to that, right? We're not a startup, but we're going to be doing something totally different now. If you, if you, if you're starting something that's totally new and different, maybe you, maybe you do have some things resource wise in place that, that are, that you like and are good, but you are basically taking on a new tack, which is, which is going to be quite, quite a bit different. So I, I, that was just struck me. Jacob, number three. So number three was the first Edwards quote that we have on here. And uh, he was asked about the aspects of his career that will help him be successful at ASU. And he talked a lot about delegating things to people. And he he says he believes that if you delegate things to people, they feel like they're a part of it. That's something that's that's important to him personally. So that's like part of the whole CEO thing is is the whole delegation aspect. And so trust me, I don't have all the answers, but I'm always in search for knowledge. And I think when you delegate responsibility to coaches, you uplift them. And we know that Edwards is big on uplifting people. So I feel like that just goes, that just goes with his whole kind of persona. Are you, can you read the quote? It was, I delegate things to people. I believe you delegate things to people so they feel like they're part of it. That's important to me, delegating people. They understand that I'm going to delegate it to you. I'm a good listener. I don't have all the answers. Trust me, I don't have all the answers. But I'm always in search for knowledge, and I think when you delegate responsibility to coaches, you uplift them. Again, another part of the new leadership model. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Another another one of the good things Edwards brings to this new style of leadership they want to implement. Rob, and, next one. Yeah, and he, he went on further to talk about kind of being in that CEO role and, and what he believes, how you evaluate the assistant coaches. And he said, quote, they're football coaches. If they're good football coaches, they're good football coaches. When I turn the tape on and watch your player play, what are you doing to help this guy? That's what I want to know. Can you make this guy a better football player? You can't give him talent, but fundamentally and mentally, is he a better football player because he played under your watch? That's all I want to know. Can you develop players we have here? That's all I care about. And I mean, I feel like that's a good thing to, to, to say right now, especially in terms of trying to keep assistants like, like Billy Napier, um, who Anderson has spoken of, of uh, saying that he wants to retain. And I don't know what Chris thinks about that specifically, but um, he, he, was just, he just kept talking about the fact that 
he wanted to see what they could actually do and that it, it wasn't you don't need to hire you don't need to bring in your own guys you need to have good coaches and if if the coaches there were good then that was fine he talked about you coach coaches not just players and he talked about some of the things that he will do to that end you know popping into rooms and you know, holding everybody accountable to, to things and, and whatnot but that that's just again it, that's just you know that's just some rhetorical type stuff it's really in the details of how you're coaching what your player development actually looks like and how that manifests on on the football field so you just have to anything that any of the things that are like this ultimately it comes down to who your who your assistant coaches are what their capability is both demonstrated at ASU and at prior stops to affect the types of things that you're talking about and then um, and then what things that you actually add to that end that helps boost all of that and that's again proofs in the pudding Jacob number five so the fifth one we had on here was just one of the first things Edwards said during his opening remarks. He said athletes from all over the country should be coming here. Guys in California and Los Angeles should be coming here. Why is this not the destination? Why can't it be? That's my job. That's my job to go into those homes and tell those parents, this is the place you want to send your son because when he leaves here, he'll be fully ready to deal with anything that comes across his way. And so that was, that's Edwards' whole start of his recruiting pitch, I guess you can say. And, and it's going to be a big uphill battle for him to to beat USC and UCLA in a lot of these these recruiting battles but I guess that's that's kind of the basis of what he's going to say mm. Rob next one and kind of going off that same idea of, of recruiting um, Ray Anderson in, in his opening remarks continued and said uh, what is the competitive consistency that we are looking for as we go forward in recruiting really good student athletes four and five star student athletes from all over the place where talent is we haven't done that. Developing players and coaching players to their highest potential so that those players that, in fact, have aspirations to go to the NFL are, in fact, being ready and prepared here to do that. We haven't done that well. Competitive consistency in developing and retaining assistant coaches so that we can have that continuity and that stability and that recruiting quality and that consistency that we need here. So just same kind of thing as what Chris was saying. Uh, a lot of rhetoric about needing to go out and do the recruiting and you're going to actually have to see if they can actually do it. Jacob. Number seven here was the first thing he said in his opening remarks. I think when you're a football – Herm Edwards. And uh, he, he said, I think when you're a football coach, the first thing you realize right away is that it's about winning football games. That's a fact. But it's really using football to build men. So when they leave this university and they've done a nice job, these guys are equipped to deal with the real world, with all the issues that we have in this world. And this is, this is back to the whole Todd Graham thing about how, how Graham did this. He, he did exactly this, and that's what Edwards says he wants to do. And so you got to kind of wonder, you know, the similarities between what those two guys are all about. There you go. Rob? Ray Anderson was talking in his opening remarks again about, um, about the CEO model that they're kind of going to have and how it's going to be unique. And sa he said, quote, the football head coach is going to get a lot of support from other folks outside of the traditional model you'll see much more of the participation of the athletic department. It is going to be an all-in, all-hands-on-board. It is going to be an all-hands-on-deck effort to upgrade football the way we've upgraded in some of our other sports. It will be a, collabor a collaboration. Our head football coach will not be needed to and will not be expected to to control it all and do it all. This kind of goes, same thing we've been saying. He's just further explaining that the CEO, what 
he believes Edward is hired to do is going to be relied on uh, more viewing and, and coaching everybody in the program, not just the players. Question here is, are you going to be a CEO or are you going to be a figurehead? And that, that's what's going to be determined in the coming weeks and months and years. Because to be a CEO, you have, you have to actually effectively understand and know what's going on in every single area of your operation and that it's staffed to be able to execute what needs to be done in those areas. Uh, a figurehead is somebody that you, you know, you give, give the bullet points of things you got to know and then, and then they go and they talk about those kind of things or that they go into a recruit's home and they flash their experience and this is the place for you and here's why and whatever. That, those two things are, are, there's a huge difference between them and that's what's going to be determined. Jacob, penultimate quote. So when Michael Crow, the uh, ASU president, was explaining a lot of the, the thought processes, processes that went into this, he, he started by saying the main objective that Ray has is fourfold. First, he is to advance university athletics to produce graduates. He is to advance university athletics to produce championship competing teams. He is to advance university athletics to build affinity with Arizona State University. And finally, he is to advance university athletics to be self-supporting from a financial perspective. Those four objectives for us are absolutely essential to the success of our overall program. So Crow just wanted to sum this up here by explaining Anderson's thought process, and so I think that's what a lot of people were were kind of wondering first. And he, he summed this up pretty well by just giving a list of four things and really nailing down exactly what Anderson was going through in his search process. Finish it off, Rob. So our last quote we did was um, about how Edwards was talking about some of the experience he's got outside of working at ESPN but being a coach and being a motivational speaker. And he said, quote, When I'm invited to go to Alabama and when I'm invited to go to Michigan and these places where I've talked to the teams and visited with coaches, I see the innovation. I sit down there. I'm always constantly learning. And this is kind of going off of how he's trying to adapt and build. And he admitted, as Chris alluded to before, he doesn't have all the answers and he's going to have to learn on the fly a little bit but that he has experience being at top programs. He mentioned that he knows Nick Saban and he and he has a relationship with Tom Izzo and just some of these relationships that are going to help him learn the model from people that have done things sort of similar in the past. Nothing there from Chris. All right. Well, well that's that's what, that's what needs to be done and it's and um you're much more apt to be successful if you have been fully immersed in those types of environments previously uh, and, and that way you can kind of calibrate and understand a lot of it so um, there's going to be a lot of learning that's that, that's going to have to take place before they're able to do that before we finish off just one more thing we'll probably just get it from you Chris what can ASU fans expect I guess in the next two weeks as this stressful recruiting period starts and Herm Edwards is finishing at ESPN well he, he talked about uh, honoring his commitments finishing what you start and all that stuff and he said you can catch me on TV on Wednesday in Bristol talking about, you know, his ethos and whatever and being a football coach. And you never stop being a football coach even when you haven't been doing it for nine years. ASU has two weeks until the dead period starts. Uh, the dead period runs from December 17th until uh, January 11th. That means you can't go off campus to visit uh, any prospective student-athletes that you're recruiting. 
This is the first year in which there is a mid-year signing period that starts on December 20th. ASU and all other programs are trying to get signed national letters of intent from recruits that they already have committed in that period so that those people can no longer be recruitable. Uh, what, what elite schools are going to do is they're going to try to keep those guys in play as backup options that they may want to trip late in the process if they strike out on some of their top talent. So there is a, a, a battle that's being waged right now for ASU to firm up its commitments. Having a head coach like Herm Edwards in the home to that end is very important in these two weeks, and Herm Edwards isn't going to be able to be doing that this week, which means that he's going to have an extremely busy next week uh, to try to get whatever they need to get accomplished, and they even still won't be able to do some of the things that they probably would like to, to do. Uh, in terms of some of these meetings and, and everything. And we'll see how that impacts what players they end up signing, what players and recruits kind of say about where they're at with ASU and their process. Uh, and then there'll be a, uh, a soft sort of pause in what's going on. People can still come by the ASU's campus. Local recruits will probably visit and come see Herm Edwards in, in, uh, at ASU and all that. So that's going to still kind of be unfolding. You can still communicate, talk, and everything with recruits through the holiday period. And then they'll be setting up the uh, – they'll be staggering their official visit weekends in January uh, after that July 11th, so the, the, the next weekend, and then the two weekends subsequently. Those are some of the most important periods of the year before you get to signing period. ASU has enough talent on hand right now to – probably hold up okay in the next year on the football field, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But if you have a poor uh, signing class this year, that's going to really hurt you the next year and the year after that. And that's where they need to really do a good job of bridging this gap in the immediate short run. There you go. That's all we've got for you today on this free podcast. We'll have a premium as always later in the week as we let today kind of soak in and have more of a thought out reaction and more on the recruiting trail and possibly what could happen there. But uh, for now, see you, hear you then.